Good evening, folks, and welcome back on this Saturday, the 19th day of August, 2023. I'm your host, Mark Hall, and tonight, let's talk fires and farce. And in some cases, the very same story will include both. But let's start off with a story that literally disappeared, given all the smoke we saw late last week, over the weekend, and certainly for the last few days. Anybody remember the impeachment that should have happened at least two years ago? Yeah, I thought not. Well, that, so far as the waste stream is concerned anyway, and any criminality associated with one of the most criminal regimes in American history has largely disappeared from view. And meanwhile, a lot of people have been killed on the island of Maui by fires that looked very suspicious to begin with and look even more so now by the hour. We'll get to all of that as well as some of the dots that the attempt at least is to obscure by smoke over the next few minutes. But I definitely think the place to start today, the news behind the increasing and looks like more and more permanent lack of news that we're going to see, is this story. I saw it a couple places, including the horse's mouth gulag itself, which has announced a worldwide ban on independent media from their search results. They are, of course, going to call it something far more woke-sounding and politically correct. The peoplesvoice.tv has a story up, as does the news source I quoted last week for the first time, daenkibidyeloy.com. And what they agree on is that Google's new global censorship tool was introduced Monday morning just after 9 a.m. via an email press release. And according to Latoya Drake, head of the Gulag News Initiative, instead of global Internet censorship, which is what it is, they're going to call it fact-check tools and its purpose obviously eliminate dissent and cover up whatever it is that big brother tells its partner needs being covered up and as the week wore on there was no shortage on that score the singular ministry of truth point of view that will be allowed is called the data commons by gulag and naked truth news wrote the following about it hosted by gulag and i'm going to continue to pronounce it correctly folks data commons aggregates data from a wide range of sources into a unified database it's a collection of data and tools which broadly speaking comprise a knowledge graph and that's an odd way to put it isn't it linking data from numerous open sources and guess which those include and which they don't supporting schemas an API to access data in the graph, a graph browser, and a fact-check data set. Kind of makes me want to scream, hey, George Orwell, tell them what they've won. And it links references like things from cities, counties, organizations, and by that you know they mean approved organizations, across different data sets to nodes on the graph so that data about a particular entity aggregated from different sources can be accessed, or maybe on the other hand, can't. In other words, says the piece, it allows someone to query a person or entity and all the information about that person or entity within Google's database. And you can probably guess the converse seems to be true as well. In a video published a week ago, which I choose not to play, Latoya Drake encouraged the fact-checkers licensed by Big Brother's public-private partner and journalists, likewise, to explore the digital tools designed specifically to help them, and I'm quoting, verify the authenticity and accuracy of online images, videos, and reports. Oh yeah, and ultimately, guess whose AI is going to decide what that means? And among the things that the story notes don't seem to be allowed are websites that criticize topics, including, but not limited to, COVID-1984 statistics, the World Bank, the FBI and their crime statistics, pharma, GKB, and anything relative to the one-world global swamp or a government. 
But when it comes to things that are going to be pushed, how about global warming statistics provided by the IPCC or WHO, the World Health Organization, and its findings on any topic they select. And trust me, the intent there is to panic into selecting those. UN Energy Statistics and their database concerning what else? Carbon emissions, the Environmental Protection Agency and its greenhouse gas reports. Oh, yeah, and wonderful organizations like Anheuser-Busch and Stanford University. And for all you Big Brother Connected corporate entities out there, just make sure your ESG scores are high enough and you can be on that list too. Like Skittles, which has announced their own kitty grooming candy, the borderline poisonous candy marketed to kids, says a piece from Steve Watson via InfoWars, is the latest product to throw all in with wokeness after they released a special edition package celebrating transgenderism. What else? The Skittles Rainbow and the Black Lives Matter wannabe terrorist organization. The not-so-normal red and rainbow packaging has now been replaced with black and white packs, replete with a tranny flag and the phrase, Black Trans Lives Matter. I guess it's just not enough anymore to be a garden variety racist. you got to have the right flag, too. The confectionery, owned by the Wrigley Company, in case you're curious, which is in turn owned by Mars Incorporated, has also whacked a drag queen on the packet, says the piece, for good measure. And it was designed along with the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against defamation organization do we need to say more other than if you let anybody you love eat this crap you probably deserve what they intend to give you but i put all those stories together for a reason do you think anheuser-busch and bud light learned a lesson from one of the biggest marketing debacles in history or did big brothers gulag and company make them an offer they can't refuse Let's turn next to the massive fires in hawaii which seem to have been receiving an odd response in the district of criminal swamp With nearly a 100 people already confirmed dead and a 1,000 or so missing, it's called the worst fire in a century, one of the worst in American history. Thousands of people are now homeless, businesses wiped out, the death toll continues to rise, and more and more it looks like arson, or maybe even a whole lot of arsons in a number of different places. But the fake president certainly can't be bothered. Obviously, there's still a bit more artillery left somewhere in the country that needs to be shipped over to Ukraine. But the Biden viewer himself is on vacation. He can't be bothered to deal with a little tragedy like a lot of people being burned alive. Says most of the coverage, he's created some controversy by failing to respond when asked a question about what do you think. In fairness, folks, I don't think that word applies to him anymore. He's created some controversy by refusing to even comment when asked about the rising death toll. Said a Bloomberg reporter, after a couple of hours on Rehoboth Beach, POTUS, sick, was asked about the rising death toll in Hawaii and responded, no comment, just before heading home. In the video from Town Hall, they note you can see the smirk, perhaps because amidst all that smoke, they didn't ask this time about his criminality. And Red State's coverage notes that Biden's cold response to the Maui question stunned and disturbed a lot of people, including a Hawaii Democrat and former state representative Mark Kanyela Ng who wrote in a post that he later was forced to delete, and you can guess why now, given what we've covered today. Quote, I campaign for you. Now when I lose dozens of my friends, family, and neighbors, this, he said, he said he found the response shocking. I would expect more. Obviously, folks, some people still just don't get it. Another commenter compared two New York Post stories, one from August 13th, 2021, where Biden takes off for a long weekend while the Taliban takes over Afghanistan, as opposed to August 13th, 2023, exactly two years later, when Biden spends a day at the beach and says no comment about the devastating ahem, wildfire on Maui. 
On Monday, Steve Bannon and his War Room show had Sheila Walker on from Maui to give eyewitness testimony. Here's what she had to say. First and foremost, can I please just say, pray for Maui, pray for the people here. We are hurting deeply, and this has affected every single person in this small community. It's a very small island. Everyone knows someone who was affected in this tragedy. But it's what she goes on to say that I can't help but think ought to raise more than a few eyebrows. And she's hardly the first, certainly not the last, to suggest that a lot seems very suspicious here. Everything that Jack Posobiec uh, was uh, speaking to is absolutely correct. His, his theories, his observations, absolutely correct. It is like a war zone here. People have said the devastation is so complete, it literally looks like a military bombardment took place. And whether or not there's an implication of arson, she does say this. This was not a wildfire tragedy. This was an infrastructure failure, an absolute complete failure in our preparedness plan. So there was no forewarning. There was no air raids. There was no sirens going off. There was no um, news channels covering anything. There were no updates anywhere. So the people had no, no opportunity to even move. That's how they got flash fried. Uh, to say it bluntly. And Lahaina also had no electricity and no cell service that day. So I lived 20 miles down the road from Lahaina and the people who could get cell service kept calling me, my friends saying, can you get any news updates to tell us what to do? We've heard there's fires, but no one knew where the fires were. So they weren't reporting where the fires were coming from, where the smoke was coming from, what direction to go, how to evacuate. If there was an evacuation, people could see smoke, but no one knew what was happening. It was complete chaos the entire day of the fires. And then at some point, they told us that the fire was contained and so 100 percent contained. And so then um, people kind of relaxed and thought everything was OK. And then poof, it just all went up in flames. Tragic. So you heard that correctly. After the fire was said to be 100 percent contained, all hell broke loose. In that area, supposedly it was contained, but it had started up higher on the on the West Maui Mountain up in that area. And so no one thought that the lower town of Lahaina was in danger at all. There was no preparedness, no understanding that that might even be a possibility for any of those buildings down lower to catch on fire. And at the same time, there were reports of other fires all over the island. So an, an upcountry fire in Kula, if you know these locations, and a Kihei fire was reported. So there were fires everywhere kind of coming out sporadically, basically on social media and even to the point where my own neighborhood in Kihei was um, evacuated. I did get an evacuation notice from my phone. So some sort of amber alert came across my phone that said evacuate at 11.30 p.m. that night. And we had no idea that Lahaina had already burned. But even after receiving an evacuation notice, she points out they didn't know where to go. But no one really knew what direction to go into because there were no reports. Where is the fire? Which way is it moving? How fast is the wind blowing? That kind of information was just not made available. And I, I find that just absolutely unacceptable. And this is where I will focus in the future. Infrastructure, preparedness. And I'll say it again, folks. All it takes to start a fire is a, a box of matches or a cigarette lighter, maybe a bit of gasoline to help it along. That would have been unthinkable a few years ago. But given what we've seen from the left, come on, who are we kidding? Does it seem possible or even likely that this was not an accident, especially given what we've seen in California and in Canada of late? And, yeah, she said they get a lot of wind. The trade winds blow there. Anybody that's been to Hawaii knows what we're talking about. But this was different. 
So even though it was gusty, it didn't seem that bad. But somehow Lahaina turned into some sort of wind tunnel. And I would not, uh, I don't want to um, project how that was caused. And besides, folks, it's not going to be that long until Gulag, Two Facebook, Twitter, and all the other socialist media sites won't let you talk about it anyway. As the week wore on, folks, more and more just came out pointing to how suspicious the, uh, let's just call it what it seems to have been, false flag in Maui turns out to be. For example, by Wednesday, Martin Armstrong, writing in the Burning Platform, made some salient points about the extremely suspicious fires in Maui over the last week, which killed pretty close to 100 people, but with a 1,000 still missing, the number is almost certain to go higher. It's being called the deadliest wildfire on U.S. soil, as if it was a wildfire, in over 100 years. And certainly, as I've already pointed out, there's no shortage of speculation and or conspiracy theories about just how suspicious everything that went down, down there was. Oh, by the way, so is the aftermath. And we'll get there in just a minute. On the arson front, though, another piece from the burning platform, courtesy of the byline, the Maui Massacre Investigation Team, says there's now a growing body of hard evidence proving beyond a shadow of a doubt that the so-called wildfires in Maui weren't wild at all. They were, in fact, the result of multiple acts of, as they put it, geoengineering, geoterrorism, and pyroterrorism. Yeah, lots of people with a book of matches and gasoline, folks, can wreak major havoc. And that's not counting all the other, uh, let's just say, a little bit more sci-fi speculation. They link a video suggesting that one of the rings of fire may have been started by thermite. And also, boats parked on the waters off the coast of Lahaina Harbor were all on fire, as though they were started in the boats themselves. And this type of wildfire phenomenon has never been recorded before and might even be evidence of, let's just say, some other methods being employed. The first piece asks the question, just who was targeted, though, and why? Well, they suggest the numerous indigenous Hawaiian landowners on Maui who would not sell and or surrender their sacred lands to the predacious land buyers, including but not limited to the likes of Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg, just may be one answer. Uh, let's not forget the communist Chinese folks who pretty well own the swamp. No doubt they'd like to own Maui, too. But Martin Armstrong and his piece focuses on a different aspect of the uh, attack. FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, said it was too soon to calculate the damages, but a low estimate is probably $6 billion bucks or so. The fake president made sure to address his main priority, he notes, by sending another couple hundred million bucks worth of aid to Ukraine, which is ultimately even chump change, as the whorehouse is seeking hundreds of billions in extra funds. And as a number of commentators have put it, Joe, no comment, Biden has already told America how he feels about all the dead Americans in Hawaii. He or his body double, but in this case it might have been the real one as long as nobody was talking to him, was spotted on the beaches of Delaware this weekend while Hawaii burned. He refused to comment on the situation, didn't let it interrupt his well-earned vacation, and then he took to Twitter, or whatever Musk is calling it now, to say, we're laser-focused on getting aid to survivors, including critical needs assistance. Yep, Hawaii got less than $2 million bucks in aid, notes Martin Armstrong, while a foreign nation that's been so intimately involved with the first family of crime got a hundred times that this week. Says Armstrong, we're witnessing what happens when Big Brother pivots from America first to America last policies. I guess we could call it one more log on the fire. Michael Snyder at the end of the American Dream has weighed in on different aspects of the suspicious, maybe not so wild fires in Maui. Why is there such a frenzy, he asks, and he's not alone, to buy up those properties that were just burned down? 
possibly at the hands of pyroterrorists. Can you imagine he begins calling up a family that's just seen their home burned to the ground and offering to buy their land for below market value or for a price they wouldn't have even considered taking a week ago? That's apparently happening in Hawaii right now, he says, on a massive scale. Grieving property owners are being bombarded with calls from very greedy people, and I think that says a lot, he notes, about the current state of our society. And uh, the fact that they would burn it down in order to do it says even more. Your host can't help but think. We literally worship material possessions, says Snyder. And the amount of sheer greed we're witnessing right now is beyond staggering. Lahaina was harder hit than anywhere else by the fires. And it turns out that property owners there have been getting pressured to sell for a long time. But now that disaster has struck, those wishing to get their hands on these prime properties are in a feeding frenzy. One local resident made headlines all over the world when she posted a video about this, saying, quote, I'm so frustrated with investors and realtors calling the families who lost their homes, offering to buy their land. How dare you do that to our community right now? If you're a victim and they're calling you, please get their business name so we can put them on blast, she added, claiming that she knows a number of people personally, multiple families that were offered money from investors and realtors. Just prior to the pandemic in 2020, the average home in Lahaina was worth about $600,000. Today, it's well over a million bucks. So the race to take advantage of those who've just lost their homes because they've been burned to the ground has gotten so bad, even Hawaiian Governor Josh Green is making political hay, supposedly speaking out against it. But he's a politician, his lips are moving, and thus he might have another motive He said people making offers may have ill intent and issued a warning to scammers. Quote, you'd be pretty poorly informed if you try to steal land from our people and then build here, he said in a press release on Monday, causing a lot of people to applaud his courageous action. But could there be another motive? Because Green's also been captured on video, said Snyder, and a number of people. I saw this one several places, folks, saying he is, quote, already thinking of ways for the state to acquire that land. Aha, and that probably comes a lot closer to the real and uh, almost unspoken truth. Here's the rest of the quote. I'm already thinking of ways for the state to acquire that land so that we can put it into, well, you know, woke things like, quote, workfare housing, to put it back into families, uh, well, the right kind of families, obviously, or to make it open space in perpetuity as a memorial, he said, to the people who were lost. Well, anyway, slice it. Looks like the government of Hawaii has their own plans for what they're going to do with their land. And remember, they have long been one of the most far left-leaning in a very increasingly socialist country. And are you ready for this? It just so happens that the police chief on Maui, John Pelletier, is no stranger to responding to mass tragedy. Nearly six years before this latest disaster struck in the form of suspiciously not-so-wild fires that ripped through parts of his latest domain, killing a lot of people, he was incident commander presiding over the Strip in Sin City, Las Vegas where another false flag, and let's call it what it is, folks, because this one stank to high heaven, and years later you still haven't been told the truth about a story that involved what looked like multiple shooters using, yes, not just bump stocks, but full auto firearms that the mere peons haven't been allowed to possess for decades now. And as we've gotten used to since, the FBI swooped in, snapped up so much of the incriminating video, and then snapped the lid down on anything that might even remotely threaten the official narrative. And what an amazing coincidence. Here he is at the scene of yet another suspicious disaster. Oh, yeah, and Michael Snyder points this out for our benefit. It's also reported that Pelletier earned a certificate in criminal justice from the FBI Academy in 2019. So, yep. No surprise, he has intimate ties to the feds as well.
Tell me something we couldn't pretty well have guessed. And from there, Michael Snyder goes on to ask what he calls nine important questions we should all be asking about the catastrophic wildfires there in Maui. More than 2,700 structures, he notes up front, have been burned to the ground in Lahaina alone. The estimated property value, as we've mentioned, is at least $5 billion, maybe over $6 billion bucks. Certainly, we've never seen anything quite like this before. So here we go. First, the obvious question, how did the fires start? Governor Green, he says, is convinced they were caused by a confluence of the usual woke factors. Are you buying this? Yes, experts tell us. And you got to wonder, are these the same experts that told you, wear your mask and take your Zyklon B? That a confluence of weather conditions, mostly caused by, say it with me folks, man-made global warming caused the problem. Drought combined with a superstorm. We had a hurricane offshore several hundred miles away, generating large winds, he told the Communist News Network. Oh, yeah, and we don't even want to talk about BLM or Antifa types or Extinction Rebellion or whatever the hell the other leftists are calling themselves, starting things on fire because, you know, political correctness and wokeness are what really matter. Number two, how did the fire spread so rapidly? Well, say multiple news reports, people were literally jumping into the ocean to escape because the fires were moving so rapidly. Said two of the men who felt like there was nowhere to run except into the ocean. Quote, I saw a couple of people just running. I heard screams out of hell, explosions. It felt like we were in hell. It really was. It was just indescribable. One of them told Next Stars, K-H-O-N. And you know what, folks? It simply sounds like a lot of different fires being set in a lot of different locations almost like they were coordinated. Or who knows, maybe just inspired by the same satanic evil spirit. Which leads to question number three. Just how did a fire that was supposedly 100% contained, even out, end up causing the most damage of all? According to Governor Green, the Lahaina fire was supposedly given new energy by that far-off hurricane Dora. Your cynical host thinks that gasoline and a Bic lighter are among a number of things that might also give it new energy. But that does lead to the next question on the list, number four. According to U.S. Representative Jill Tokuda, the alarm system, yeah, what a concept, that was supposed to warn residents that a disaster is happening, appears to have failed. What an amazing coincidence that is. And yeah, how is it possible? We know, says the piece, everybody who's ever lived on Hawaii knows the warning sirens. It goes off once a month at the beginning of the month or at 12 noon, and it blares. And if it doesn't, it gets fixed because it's our first line of defense. Unfortunately, in this situation, and sadly, says the quote, magically in this situation, the sirens didn't go off. The warning signals that were on cell phones, we had no cell coverage or electricity in some of those areas. And the reality is with those warning signs, it tells all of us to turn on the TV or look at our phones or turn on the radio. The reality is how fast this burn was. You could see it in the videos survivors were showing me. You could see it in the wreckage. If you turned on your phone, you turned on a radio, even if you could. Remember, things that were out at that particular point, you wouldn't know what the crisis was, unquote. Number five, why are emergency supplies not getting to the people that desperately need them? Hey, here's a shocker. It's being reported that telecommunications blackouts have been one of the factors that have been hampering relief efforts. Number six, why are people who've just had their homes burned in the fires already being bombarded with calls and offers to purchase those properties at a wonderful discount? The vultures are circling, he says. Oh, yeah, and maybe they were even tipped off, says your increasingly cynical host. Number seven, why has the FBI moved their mobile refrigerated morgue into Lahaina? That one, I think, answers itself. 
But that same John Pelletier, the Maui police chief, says that only 3% of Lahaina, home to more than 9,000 people, has been searched so far. Number eight, why are we seeing so much looting in the aftermath of the fires? Answer, Hawaii has a whole lot of gun control, and the peons are the only ones that can't defend their property, burned or not. Number nine, and this one, too, answers itself. Why is the Biden fear on the bench while all of this is happening? Well, folks, a guy who can't tell when his own poopy diaper is full isn't going to be much help in a real crisis, especially if it's one that his people, uh, well, let's just say allowed at best or at worst. Well, you can guess because it's part of a pattern we've seen all too often now, isn't it? I'm going to suggest again what I have been saying for quite a while now, but it ultimately seems to be really important to remember There are weapons being deployed against the American people, against indeed all people on the planet. And we had better recognize that there is nothing, and I mean nothing, that the evil that is running this planet, and especially this nation, won't pull off if they're given half a chance and if people believe the big lie and don't pay attention to what's going on around them. And we'll pick it up right there after the bottom of the hour break. Stay with us. Did you write the book of love and do you have Welcome back now to the second segment for this evening. I am your host, Mark Hall, and we're going to pick it up with the observation that so many of the stories look like things we've seen before, but clearly they all point in the same direction, right down the toilet. But what's interesting is there are so many of them that provide some new insight into exactly what that flush looks like. So let's pick it up with the fire and smoke in Maui and what we saw by the latter part of the week. The bodies in Maui haven't even been identified yet, but the climate propagandists are already pushing their agenda. Here's one story among many that indicates a climate change pushing propaganda book has been published on Amazon, pretty much while the fires still raged. And although the fires continued until at least August 11th, says the coverage, a book chronicling, quote, the events of August 8th through 11, 2023, was published on August the 10th. Kind of like with the Trump indictments, where they didn't even wait for the grand jury to actually vote. It looks like the climate change propagandists have jumped the gun, too. The book is titled Fire and Fury, the story of the 2023 Maui fire and its implications for climate change. Good grief. The description is full of the expected BS about how the book examines the causes and consequences of the fire and exposes the vulnerability of our society and our planet to the impacts of, yeah, man-made global warming. No, climate change, of course, is the new popular woke phrase. And it offers practical solutions and recommendations on how we can do better in the future, as long as Big Brother, of course, takes the lead. Now, here's the problem, and I've already alluded to it. For such an in-depth, highly researched, and highly touted book, isn't publishing a summary of the fires before the fires are even out just a little bit of a rush? 
And how do they do it so fast? Some of us that have dealt with the publishing industry know that it usually takes a bit longer. Unless just maybe the skids have somehow been greased. It's already up on Amazon, even though the author, Dr. Miles Stones, doesn't have any actual history. But still, they say breathlessly... This is a gripping and eye-opening account, and it says it reveals the urgent need to address the global climate crisis. It's a comprehensive and compelling narrative on the Maui fire, and interestingly, folks, that seems to contrast a bit with writing a narrative before they've even been allowed to come out. But if you're a bit skeptical and wonder just how damning this actually is, hey... We're better than Snopes to realize, yeah, when the left is already spinning it, there's probably more smoke here than still ongoing fire. And to make that point, all you have to do is see how they set up a straw man and then debunk their own lies. Get this. Fact check, they say. A book describing the Maui fires was published before they started. Question mark. Social media users claims it proves their conspiracy theories. And guess what? Since it's a lie up front, they rated their own mischaracterization false. And here we go. Quote, on August 8th, 2023, massive fires swept across the island of Maui, Hawaii, inspiring various conspiracy theories around the topic. Numerous social media users claimed that a book describing the fires was published before they happened, allegedly proving, that's a key word, isn't it, that the disaster was planned. Unquote. And Come on, you morons. It doesn't prove anything, but it certainly ought to raise some eyebrows. And no, their own straw man is wrong. It wasn't published before the fires, although certainly it looks like the publication was started before the fires. It just merely adds, let me put it this way, a bit more fuel to the false flag fire. Here's a better story. This one comes from WeGotThisCovered.com. Charlotte Simmons is the byline. They, too, point to a number of things that just don't quite pass the smell test. And then add this. In case it isn't obvious by this point, there's a good to fair chance that even Dr. Miles Stones isn't a real person, given an impossibly fast publishing timeline that somehow transcends the laws of physics and a suspiciously and underwhelmingly crafted bibliography to boot. The most likely possibility, they say, and I would concur with this wholeheartedly, is that Fire and Fury and the rest of these books published under this name <laughs> were coughed up by artificial intelligence. And that, folks, is precisely what your host thought when I first saw this thing to begin with. About the only explanation other than the conspiracy theory is it was done with some AI. And uh, you can imagine the chat GPT query, can't you? Write a book describing the politically correct reasons for the Maui fire. Feel free, of course, to make things up. But the author continues... The biggest takeaway from this is how disgusting the entire development is. Beyond the shady, heinous, and downright laughable practice that this mystery person is indulging in, the simple fact that they attempted to publish a cheap faux account of a still-ongoing disaster that's claimed an indefinite number of lives. The book won't even tell you how many there are because, at least allegedly, they can't know yet. All of this for the sake of a fast and probably insubstantial buck, and that's the only place I would disagree with the review, folks. We got this cover, says it's bottom-of-the-barrel apathy. But no, I can't help but suggest there's more to it. It's not about making a buck. Hey, any more than Skittles or Budweiser or Target is about making a buck. It's about pushing an agenda. And they're willing to sacrifice all kinds of bucks in order to make that happen. Because, guess what? Selling products is no longer how the real money is made. In a communist world of ESG and government kickbacks, the narrative and the agenda drives everything else. 
And before we move on to other demonstrations of that, this story from the New York Post kind of brings the point home. Also from the It Stinks Worse Than a Fire in Maui, follow on files. The head of Maui's Emergency Management Agency asserted on Wednesday that he has no regrets about the massive failures that cost who knows how many their lives. The failure in this case to activate the warning sirens as the apocalyptic wildfires swept through the island. Despite claims that the system could have saved hundreds of lives, Chief Herman Andaya defended his decision to only send out alerts via mobile devices, radio and television, most of which, as you probably recall, went down shortly thereafter, and via the county's opt-in resident alert system after his experience and qualifications for the lofty position were called into question during a press conference held by the governor, who's arguably got problems of his own. And Daya claimed, says the piece, that the blaring sirens are basically reserved for tsunami warnings, and Hawaiians are trained to seek higher ground when they're set off, and they probably wouldn't have waited to find out what they were running from. By the way, folks, and we'll get to this in just a second, it may have turned out that the roads were blocked anyway, but yeah, that's another story. Probably related. Now, is he right that Hawaiians are so stupid they just run off half-cock without knowing which direction they were going? Or is it just possible that they might have actually decided, huh, there's a siren going off, maybe before I panic, I better figure out what it's about and what I need to do. And again, on that score, I can't help but note, early stories said the information that they needed wasn't really going to be available to them anyway. Go figure. So I guess what they're claiming is the reason they didn't activate the warning sirens is because of the Darwin effect. And that, folks, also speaks volumes. One more late story at this point, courtesy of the Vigilant Fox substack at Eyewitness Reports on Maui. A number of people have reported that the potable water being brought in by the government is, quote, making people ill for whatever reason. They're experiencing fevers, chills, other ailments from drinking potable water that's been left to them. One of them says, I got extremely sick from the potable water, 104 fevers, still ill, so be careful. Some reports are even saying the water isn't safe to be used after it's been boiled. So with all of that on the table, let's turn to one more story, this time from Connor O'Keefe via the Mises Institute about the deadly conflagration. The most destructive natural disasters he notes up front are never 100% natural. Human choices, land use, government policies, all of them play a big role in just how harmful things like hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, flash floods, and yes, wildfires, if they're truly wild, are to the affected communities. And after catastrophes like the wildfire that destroyed much of the historic Hawaiian city of Lahaina last week, it's worth taking stock of just how much of the disaster was the result not of natural or accidental factors, especially not man-made global warming, but uh, ponder the irony there too, but of policies and institutions that uh, may have even made things worse. Yep, the details are still emerging. That doesn't prevent people from publishing books, pushing the official narrative, of course. It's becoming clear that government failure did a whole lot to make the disaster worse and may have even started it. While the so-called experts are predictably blaming booga 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 man-made climate change, in the process they're demanding the government grab even more power and authority ostensibly to someday make the weather better. The destructiveness of this fire was the product of an all-powerful and all-incompetent regime. Yep, the specific origins of the fire, probably lots of them folks, are still being investigated, but there is a lot we already know. For one, the city of Lahaina sits on the west coast of Maui, Hawaii's second largest island, and is surrounded by grassland, much of it owned by the state. And isn't that amazing? Not as much, I can't help but think, as they intend to end up owning. 
And nearly a decade ago, the Hawaiian Wildfire Management Organization, a research nonprofit, warned the government of the state that the area surrounding Lahaina was extremely fire-prone due to frequent downslope winds, steep terrain, and dry grass. But little was done to address these risks. And a subsequent report in 2020 added that an invasive species of exceptionally flammable grass was also prevalent in the surrounding fields and that passing hurricanes, who could have thought it, generated strong winds known to fuel wildfires on the islands. Well, folks, if nothing else, maybe the arsonists are reading those reports. Around sunrise, this report continues, a large fault was detected in the power grid, indicating a downed power line. And 20 minutes later, the first reports of fire came from the area around Lahaina Luna Road, uphill and upwind from the city. The area where the flames were first spotted is full of electrical infrastructure, mostly operated by the state's monopoly power grid supplier, Hawaiian Electric, including a substation and a multitude of power lines. Most of the land is owned by the state of Hawaii, except for a big parcel belonging to the estate of one of Hawaii's last princesses, which housed a solar farm supplying electricity to the Hawaiian Electric substation. And notes the author, at least one glowing article has been published by NPR about the solar project, praising it as a direct result of government regulations crafted to transition Hawaii to 100% renewable by 2045. But on the morning of August 8th, as winds hammered the old wooden utility poles, the highly electrified area and the dry grasses above Lahaina was quickly becoming dangerous. Still, though, no formal procedure existed to shut off sections of the grid in the face of severe fire risks. And as a result, 29 fully energized poles fell across the western part of Maui on that day. But even with the downed poles in the way, the first firefighters on the scene met with early success. And as you know, around 9 a.m., the fire was declared 100% contained by the county's fire department. But the message to residents included what became an ominous request, because given that the county's water pumps were electric-powered, much of which was frantically being turned off to deactivate downed power lines, officials asked the public to conserve water to preserve water pressure. Turns out, of course, a lot of them might have liked to have had that water to fight the fires. But by mid-afternoon, a flare-up brought the fire back to life on the Lahaina Bypass, a major road heading straight into town, whereupon the flames moved swiftly into Lahaina at 4.46 p.m., just one minute after the county government finally sent out an alert to warn the population, which was largely without power by this time anyway, about the flare-up that had occurred over a full hour before. And to make matters worse, as you already know, county officials failed to activate the emergency sirens, leaving residents unaware of the danger bearing down on them. As firefighters finally ran into the community to try to save it, they found there was little to no water pressure in the hydrants, which quickly ran dry. And with a single backed-up highway leading out of the city, many residents of Lahaina simply had nowhere to go. Some, as you've no doubt heard, scrambled into the ocean to escape the smoke and flames, but in the end, many couldn't get out. And at least 99 people have already been confirmed dead at this writing. And how's that for an interesting disclaimer by an actual author, making this the deadliest wildfire in American history in over a century. In addition, over 2,200 buildings were destroyed, with property damages between 5 to $6 billion estimated so far. Which brings me to the summary, and listen to this. To review, he says, a power company shielded from competition by the state placed electrical infrastructure among highly flammable state-owned grass fields above the historic city of Lahaina, which the government was twice warned were highly susceptible to fire. And once that fire broke out, a combination of defective water infrastructure, terrible communication by government officials, and only one escape route due 
doomed the people of Lahaina to the worst wildfire experienced in this country in over a 100 years. It was, in fact, government failure from one end to the other, through and through. And I'll add this to the author's comments about command economies and lack of accountability. If what we've seen from leftist governments over the last few years is any guide, and we know it is, don't expect any of the guilty to be held to account here either. Or for that matter, don't expect the actual truth even to come out. Especially if the truth turns out to be that it goes far beyond mere incompetence. While we're on the subject of is it mere incompetence or outright malice, this report out of the Blaze.com and the People's Republic of Quebec, where the commission that monitors the practice of state-administered euthanasia, oh yeah, they'll kill you too up there, sent out a memo early this month reminding doctors, sick, that they're only to help exterminate human beings who satisfy the Canadian province's criteria for killing them, ah, for so-called medical assistance in dying. Seems like in some places, folks, it's not medical assistance in dying that they're going to get. Anyway, this reminder was apparently necessary, says the Blaze, because some doctors have reportedly, who can imagine such a thing, flouted the rules and euthanized individuals who wouldn't or couldn't consent, along with patients who were ineligible for other various and sundry reasons. Last year, listen to this, there were nearly 5,000 cases of doctor-assisted suicides in Quebec, which has been touted as the world's euthanasia capital. Oh, and you know what? That doesn't even include those who were uh, assisted in suicide with a voluntary or maybe not so voluntary Zyklon B injection. Uh, some would call it the poison poke or even the not vaccine. But you know what we're talking about. And the captive Canadian state-owned media has indicated that by year's end, an estimated 7% of all deaths in Quebec will have been the result of doctor-assisted suicide. And if you add in death by lethal vaccine, you can imagine the number's a lot higher than that. All right, on then to other folks that they're trying to neutralize or kill, or all of the above. This piece comes from the Epoch Times, where the author of the piece sat down with military historian and columnist Victor Davis Hanson to get his take on the latest in a series of bogus indictments against former president, and some of us might add actually elected president, Donald Trump who asked this important question. Do you know any figure in American criminal history that's been the subject of four simultaneous indictments in four different jurisdictions in four different states? I don't, he said. No mafia figure, no mass murderer. So it's a coordinated effort to destroy him, said Victor Davis Hanson. And he added, that's the irony of this whole mess. They're prosecuting Donald Trump for election interference, and they're interfering in a way that's never happened before in American history. With the 2024 election, they're going after the leading candidate and trying to emasculate him and neuter him and essentially deny people a choice. They have a choice whether to vote for him or not vote for him, or at least they should have, but not if he's in jail. And that seems to be the aim here. Hansen argues that charging President Trump on the basis of election interference is, and I'd say this is kind of obvious, isn't it, an attack on the First Amendment. And clearly it sets a dangerous precedent. Quote, Al Gore challenged the 2000 election, he said, after it had been basically certified. Remember that, folks? Well, you're not supposed to. In 2004, Barbara Boxer and 32 Democrats tried to stop the certification of electors in Ohio. And then, of course, in 2016, we had Hollywood celebrities coordinated to go on television and beg the electors to renounce their constitutional duties. Remember that? Isn't it amazing, folks, how when the left does this, it doesn't even merit inclusion in the uh, Ministry of Truth look back at history? 
Anyway, they went on TV, begged electors to renounce their constitutional duties and vote against the popular vote count in their particular state, said Mr. Hansen. And all of that, according to Jack Smith or Fanny Willis, is racketeering now or conspiracy to deny the American people their actual vote or to try to disrupt the election process, say the criminals who are actually disrupting the election process. And he continued, were, quote, weaponizing every aspect of the First Amendment. Unquote. And this goes way beyond not only hypocrisy, but criminality. And I guess when it's successful, you don't dare call it treason. This is Newt Gingrich appearing on Fox News and giving what I would suggest is one of the most succinct two-minute summaries of the level of criminality and just what it means that you'll see. I think what you're seeing tonight is one tree in a forest. And I think we are drifting towards the greatest constitutional crisis since the 1850s uh, and the rise of secession and the Civil War. I don't mean that as hyperbole. Uh, If you read Andy McCarthy's remarkable book, Ball of Collusion, which came out in 2019, he makes very clear that it is Barack Obama who corrupts the Justice Department. It is Hillary Clinton who routinely breaks the law and gets away with it. And now we have Joe Biden who's learned. He's learned from Obama that doesn't matter what you do, if you're a liberal Democrat, you will not be prosecuted. He learned from Hillary that a person in high public office can get millions and millions of dollars. And they learned from watching Donald Trump that a true outsider willing to take on the entire system could destroy their entire machine. So what you're seeing across the country is a desperate last-ditch effort by a corrupt machine to destroy their most dangerous opponent in a way which not only breaks the Constitution, destroys the rule of law, and establishes a moment of bitterness uh, which I think will last for a generation or more. I think this is going to be a horrendous period, and we just need to understand. The people who want to control America and dictate to the rest of us will break any law, lie about any topic, and manipulate the system any way they can. And that includes a lot of the elite news media. Which leads me finally to another summary piece, this time courtesy of Mike Adams and Natural News. Can you feel it, he asks. Ten signs that Americans have finally, at long last, or have we really, reached a breaking point. You can see it in the crazy plane lady video, he says. He links that one. The flash mob shoplifting footage caught on cameras. The suicide numbers. The mental illness episodes that increasingly flicker across our screens. As I was reading this, I couldn't help but harken back to a science fiction story written by Robert Anson Heinlein back in the 1950s that had a title something to the effect of The Crazy Years, where a man literally went around documenting cases of people doing things that would have been unbelievable. And in hindsight, some of the things he wrote in that piece were almost tame compared to the stuff we see every day now. But what follows, says Adams, are 10 examples of things happening in America that indicate a breaking point has been reached, beyond which we can only expect chaos and insanity, as if we weren't getting used to that, to prevail. Perhaps that's the plan, he says. In fact, 
So is the illegitimate election rigging by the tyrants in charge who use the last declared emergency to rig the election and destroy the economy. And no doubt they'll declare another one soon and use those emergency powers to oppress dissent and shore up their already illegitimate power. Well, here you go. Here are the 10 signs that the American people have already reached a breaking point. And number one is obvious. We've already been talking about it. The lawless Democrats that are drunk with power and making a mockery of the rule of law in their desperate attempts to stop any opposition to their senile, insanely evil, absolutely corrupt, and everybody knows it, so-called candidate that can't even tell when his own diapers need changing. So instead, they charge Trump with made-up crimes and ignore rampant bribery and all kinds of other criminality of those running the railroad. Never mind that Democrats have denied election results more than 150 times in recent memory, certainly without being criminally charged, before Trump was indicted, because he obviously isn't part of the club for the very same thing. Number two, America's cities are collapsing into violence, mental illness, shoplifting, and ruin. Hey, tell me something we don't know. Number three, the corporations are going insane with their virtue signaling. They're pandering to ESG, things like Skittles, and their candy proclaiming black trans lives matter, certainly more than the Constitution, the rule of law, or your kids' lives, or Target promoting their genital mutilation swimsuits for kitties. Number four, I'd say this one's pretty obvious, too. More and more Americans are waking up to the Biden regime's theft by inflation caused by the never-ending money printing and, of course, the attempt to destroy everything that isn't nailed down, either with the follow-ons to the Zyklon B or the war that never ends. And, well, I won't say never ends. Could end with that nuclear first strike they've been jonesing for. But if they don't get that, they will get the end of the almighty dollar, and that may destroy even more than a nuclear blast. Number five, he says, it's now obvious the 2020 election was stolen. The Biden regime completely ignores whatever court rulings they don't like, and they make up rulings and charges and crimes for anything that runs afoul of their attempt to keep the coup in place. Number six, false flag operations are being run against the American people, and they're getting increasingly sloppy and obvious, like the most recent fires in Maui. Number seven, pedophilia is being fully embraced by the communists, the far left, and even the rhinos that aid and abet them. Number eight, the climate cult has expanded into globally shared mental illness, while brainwashed people imagine the planet being destroyed unless they exterminate billions of other humans in order to stop their activity, like feeding themselves, breathing, and living. Number nine, and thank you, Tony Fauci and Dr. Mengele, the deployment and development of depopulation bioweapons continues to be funded by Big Brother U.S. government with near zero efforts by any member of Congress to actually defund the mad science experiments. And finally, number 10, it's becoming undeniable that the USA, NATO, and Ukraine have lost the war with Russia. And uh, God only knows what that means they'll pull off next. The rest of us, though, especially if we read scripture, can pretty well guess it at this point, or at least fill in the gaps and connect the dots, because your life and those of your loved ones really do depend upon it. 